time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, March 1st, 2021. Thank you so much for tuning in today or whenever you are listening to our podcast. Greatly appreciate the support. Got a great show ahead for you today. Lots of topics, lots of things to, to think about, random thoughts as always, and uh, just some, uh, some some news, some sports topics. And just We're going to bounce around today. We're going to have some fun. It's Monday. It's a new month. Can't believe that. Uh, I know I said that last week, how short February seems to be with just two less days and all, but here we are, March 1st, ready for some March madness, a uh, great time of year, spring training's getting going already, right, and uh, Major League Baseball, the college baseball season has a couple weeks in already, uh, pretty soon we'll be we'll be talking about the NHL playoffs, I mean, I, I'd say it's a slower time of the year for sports, but it really isn't, at least for not my interests, and uh, as always, there's plenty of Topics involving boxing and uh, UFC, uh, that's year-round. That's why we love it. So a lot of great things to discuss today. I'm going to kind of break it up into kind of a current events half and uh, a sports half, if you will. It's just me, no guests. No, Sam couldn't make it. Um, so you're just going to have to bear with me today on a Monday with a cup of coffee or, you know, whatever. Whenever you're, If it's bright and early or if it's a few days later, uh, I think these things will still be relevant that we're going to talk about today. Uh, I had a pretty good weekend. You know, I, again, I work on Saturdays, so I was able to hustle home and I caught the end of the Canelo fight. Uh, I'll, I'll mention that in our kind of our sports segment, uh, cooked up some fun meals with Valerie and, uh, uh, man, some, some, uh, some big news also, uh, that I heard about from head football coach of Rio Hondo prep, Mark Carson. Uh, he told me that the Pasadena poly, uh, football game again. Rio's only playing like two games this year, maybe a third, uh, but they are going to be playing March nineteenth, and we are going to have Coach Mark Carson on probably March. Let me see here, March fifteenth. Yeah, we're going to probably have him on on a Monday uh, before the game to promote kind of what's going on, fill him in, fill us in about what to, we can look forward to with the season and everything. But he had some huge news that he told me the other day, and I want to mention it here. I'll probably mention it. Uh, in in shows moving forward the next few Mondays, kind of getting you guys ready for uh, Real Hondo Prep football. Those of you who are, um, uh, you know, it, around around the uh, the organization or graduates or whatever, you know, I I I know not everyone listening is a Real Hondo Prep alum or anything, but it's something truly special to me. So I'm always going to talk about Real Hondo Prep uh, athletics or 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 football in general. Uh, but the big news Mark Carson told me about is that. The Pasadena Poly Real Hondo Prep football game on March 19th will, in fact, be played at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Yes, you heard that right. It was back in April when Mark first told me about that, that Poly and Rio were going to play in August at the Coliseum. One of the best rivalries in Southern California, one that you probably don't know much about because it's small school football, but uh, a truly great rivalry. And because of the lockdown and the season getting pushed back, they kind of lost that opportunity. Well, the game is back on. It's going to be played in March, and it's going to be played at the LA Memorial Coliseum. Now, there's a few catches. There's a few things that, um, 
things that need to be worked around, if you will. Um, I don't think there, he said there's not going to be fans there, which again, that's not much you can do about that with the, uh, you know, some of the restrictions and everything, but playing in the Coliseum without fans, I think is, is better than uh, not playing in the Coliseum. Right. Um, so anyway, the game is going to be they're They're working on getting the game, not televised, but having a broadcast team kind of do it online. So you will be able to watch it. And uh, there's a lot of costs going into this. So Rio is really working on some fundraising um, uh, donations and there'll be more information moving forward about that. But I encourage anyone uh, out there, especially if you're going to watch the game anyway, it's it's a lot of money that's going into all this. So by all means, uh, donate if you can, a 10 bucks, 20, whatever, just come on guys. It's a great cause. It's a great organization and I'll have more information for you down the road as I gather more of it. But uh, that is breaking news on the Rio Hondo prep football side of things. Um, it's it's not cheap playing in the Coliseum, and it's not cheap uh, to uh, broadcast a game, right? So uh, any donations or anything of that nature would definitely be um, appreciated, I'm sure, and support two great uh, football programs in, in Pasadena Poly and Rio Hondo prep. And I will have more information for that. Uh, in the in the weeks moving forward, but uh, yeah, everyone mark that date on your calendars. Big big news, big news for uh, local football. Um, let's see what else happened over the weekend. Not a whole lot for me. Recorded on Sunday, put some things together. I kind of was writing topics down all week, and I was pretty excited about it all because I, I started you know have have a little structure and kind of. You guys know what to expect on Wednesdays with Bill Barnes, and then Friday, of course, is my long form interview with the, with a special guest. And so I've, I was kind of seeing, well, I got to kind of save all these topics and, and build them all up for Mondays. So I have kind of a lot to talk about throughout the week, right? That's just kind of, it's almost like three separate styles of podcasts, if you will, three weekly podcast episodes is kind of how I feel about all this. But anyway, wrote a lot of things down. We got a lot of great uh, topics. Uh, this is something that happened with me and Valerie. <laughs> Actually, I like sharing stuff like this with you guys. Um, there was something about uh, towels being folded and, and I went to like help fold the towels or something. And she was like, no, 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 you do them wrong. Don't, don't do it. Don't do that. And I'm like, okay. So <laughs> me doing the towels wrong. It's like, not, not a good thing. Yeah, she'd rather do them herself. Right. than have them. And I said, what? I folded them last week. She's like, yeah, but I, then I had to refold them. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. And when she told me that I have, I use uh, the podcast uh, as a, as a verb sometimes I'm like, you just got podcasted. I'm talking about this on the podcast. Can't wait. Ah, oh, I tried to help and it, what my help wasn't good enough guys. I don't know what to tell Does any, do, you, do any of you got fellas out there? Any of you guys hear, hear these words ever? And, and then I think she has taught me how to fold them her way. Uh, I'll say not the right her way. And uh, I don't know. I forget because I've folded towels certain way for 30 something years now. And it's like, Oh no, they're supposed to be this way. So, uh, that's just part of the, uh, part of the process, right guys of, uh, cohabitating and, uh, having a relationship. Hey, you, you, it's a tug, it's a tug of war sometimes, but I, anyway, she didn't like how I fold the towels. And so she wanted to do them herself. I was willing to do it, but anyway, and the other thing, this was funny. Um, she has this plant in the room and she, you know, she wants sunlight on it. So I kind of, I open the window so the sunlight gets on it, whatever. I don't care about the plant. She does. And uh, the other day she was like, hey, uh, 
don't don't water this plant okay what i'm i'm over i'm overwatering so don't water this plant and i was like i would never think twice i would never think once to water the plant uh, and i said oh okay i said hey make sure you don't watch sports center later that that's about <laughs> that's about the same <laughs> likelihood of me watering your plant as, as as me walking into a room and and her watching sports center so she chuckled we both chuckled and uh, that's kind of how things uh, operate around here on a, on a daily, daily uh, episode or what, I don't know. It's just, it's hilarious. Um, she's fun. We, we, we joke and jab at each other all the time. And, and I, I uh, really appreciate that, that she's a good sport and, uh, and she tolerates me too. So some funny, funny stories with Val that, that you guys are here. will hear hear more of, I'm sure as they come up. Cause uh, there's always, there's always something uh, we're going to have a nice suds with studs segment here. Uh, it's about six minutes or so where we talk about a, a hero, and I got to tell you, this is a a, a current hero. I, I should say, uh, I should say his his actions were recent. Uh, once you're a hero, you're always a hero, right? And I'm not talking about, uh, you know, these heroes work here. These signs you see everywhere. Everyone's a hero these days. I talk about real heroes on Mondays: law enforcement and military personnel, people who save lives, not not people who uh, you know flip a burger or or go to work or something. Um, Anyway, that's another subject. But anyway, real heroes on Mondays. And uh, so we got that uh, coming up here in a few seconds. But one thing I started last week that I'm going to continue to do on Mondays is kind of give you some numbers here. Uh, I want to, again, quote from the CDC here, 27,844,643 people have survived from the coronavirus. I think that's great. I think that is, it's was no fun. I'm sure for them to test positive, but almost 28 million people have survived the coronavirus. I think that is, uh, that's, uh, the positive side of things, right? You, everyone wants to hear the negative news and I'm like, well, why don't we focus on the positive here? So that number keeps going up and, uh, yeah, a lot of survivors out there. And for the people who've really been suffering out there, if, um, you know, in hospitals or, uh, had to stay home for weeks and everything. Hey, keep fighting the good fight. Uh, you're all in our thoughts and prayers and let's keep adding to that, uh, that survival survival rate and those survivor numbers. So, uh, yeah, 27 million, eight, 44, six, four, three, uh, people survived the coronavirus have survived the coronavirus. So anyway, I'm going to step aside for a second. We're going to do a, uh, well, I shouldn't say stepping aside because I'm coming back and I'm the only one today doing the episode. So it's going to be me, me talking about our suds with studs segment, but I do take a break, take a pause, uh, get a sip of water here, and then uh, we'll dive into it. So, oh, sorry guys. A lot of coffee today. A lot of coffee, as you can tell, and I'm a little little fired. It's a new month. I mean, come on, who, who's, who's not uh, happy about uh, all these things? Anyway, all right, let me take a break and then we'll jump into suds with studs and then I'll be back with uh, either current event topics or sports topics. Thank you for joining us today on a Monday on the Get Home Safe podcast. Well, another Monday and another segment of Suds with Studs here on the Get Home Safe podcast. This is something we've been doing a while now. It used to be on Fridays. Now it's on Mondays. But just a few moments, a few minutes, if you will, of talking about someone that can really inspire us. We talk a lot about Medal of Honor winners, a lot of law enforcement, uh, just just really trying our best to honor some people that have done some truly amazing things, some incredible heroic acts. I mean, it goes without saying that, that these are some amazing people. 
And we call it Suds with Studs because uh, these are people that I would absolutely love to sit down and have a beer with. And not just by the first round, but every single round. So uh, a lot of our previous uh, honorees or people we've talked about here on this segment are are people from the past and people that have passed away either uh, just because of age and, you know, it was a long time ago, or uh, maybe they passed away in their incredibly heroic actions uh you know that's just a lot of the types of people that we've talked about here again from uh, military and all kinds of different things but today we're going to talk about someone from the present Uh, i like when i hear these stories that i can share with you guys um i don't know how many people hear good news about police officers or or, you know cops these days but i'm always going to do my best to uh to present that because i think the uh, law enforcement out there do an incredible job it's a thankless job uh, we need law enforcement on a daily basis and uh man i don't know what we what we would do without them so uh, i'm going to share share with you today something i saw it was actually posted by a, a listener of the show on uh, on social media uh dave ramos who is a uh, law enforcement uh, personnel out here in southern california uh god bless him we're going to get him on the show here soon down the road uh, but anyway, he posted something from the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department. Uh, this was their fa- Facebook page, and it was titled Life Saving Award Times Two. And it kind of caught my eye. I saw um, I saw a picture of a, an officer here, or excuse me, a deputy, and it said the Sheriff's Life Saving Awards. And I was like, oh, not one, but two. So uh, this happened a few months ago. Or both of these stories happened two months ago, I should say, and they were about a month and a half apart. Um, th- this this person is truly incredible and, and someone that we can uh, we should all be grateful for. And there's many many more people like this out there. But anyway, let let, let me read to you guys. Uh, this is about uh, Deputy Corey Smith, and uh, here are the dates here. Okay, on July 11th, 2020, Corey Smith from the Victorville station responded to a call of a woman having a medical emergency. When he arrived, he heard a car engine running from inside the garage and saw an unresponsive woman in the driver's seat. Smith made his way into the garage and the woman came too. In the woman's lap was a one-year-old and two small children were in the passenger seat. The temperature inside the garage exceeded 140 degrees and inside the vehicle registered around 93 degrees. Smith's quick action led to the safe recovery of three children. Uh, truly remarkable there. I mean, uh, God bless Corey Smith for his, his quick actions there. Uh, I don't know the, the whole situation there, what was exactly was going on, but bottom line is uh, the safe recovery of, of three very small children. I, I can't think of something that is uh, more heroic than that because had he not acted as quick as he did or maybe, I don't know, didn't uh, investigate the garage or whatever, uh, who knows uh, what would have happened? So uh, God bless Corey Smith for that act alone. But uh, almost, uh, see, a month and a half later, uh, Corey Smith was put in another situation where uh, he absolutely, uh, absolutely delivered and and was just again incredibly uh, heroic. Uh, let me read that one to you now. Um, on August twenty sixth, twenty twenty, Deputy Corey Smith from the Victorville Station responded to a stabbing call. When Smith arrived, he found a two-year-old lying in a pool of blood and bleeding profusely from multiple stab wounds in his chest and abdomen. Smith inserted his fingers into the boy's stab wounds to stop the bleeding and held him until medical help arrived. 
Smith followed him to the hospital and helped comfort him until he was loaded onto an airship and flown to a trauma center. The two-year-old is alive and doing well thanks to Deputy Smith's quick and selfless actions. Unbelievable. I, I, I mean, all the bad things you hear about police these days, and it's almost like stories like this are just kind of swept under the rug and, oh, they don't matter as much. And uh, these are the things people don't hear about that they should hear about. And, and God bless Deputy Corey Smith for, for two incredible uh, stories here where he saved lives. And, and what, what really hits home is he saved young lives. These are very young children that, that he helped. I mean, I, I hope to God these, these kids grow up and, uh, and, and live long, prosperous lives because, I mean, that's unbelievable to me that someone shows up and just jumps right in and, and just acts so quickly. So uh, to, to Deputy Corey Smith, God bless you. Uh, cheers to you. Um, you're someone I would absolutely love to sit down and have a beer with and not just by the first round, but every single round, sir. So uh, I'm just blown away by this. I, I got a little emotional kind of reading this because, I mean, there's such a I hate seeing kids hurt kids. Uh, I think that's something that really hits home with everybody, whether you have kids or not, seeing young people or children uh, suffering or in pain. I mean, that's just something that's that tugs at your heartstrings, right? And uh, man, I can't imagine showing up in both of those situations and, and acting and, and just being able to uh, to save lives like that. Truly incredible stuff. And, and to Deputy Corey Smith, God bless you. God bless, bless your family. God bless the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department. God bless all law enforcement out there. You guys are uh, our heroes and, and we greatly appreciate everything you guys do out there. So guys, that's just another example of the type of people we want to continue to talk about on our Monday segment, Suds with Studs. Just a few minutes where I give you a brief summary, but I encourage you guys, look up these people. Maybe read a story or two about them and, and give them a thought or two or a prayer or, or whatever works for you guys. Uh, but but and if you have any more suggestions, any suggestions, I should say, definitely throw them my way because I want to continue to find uh, stories and just uh, anything we can talk about some heroes and truly courageous people on our Monday segment suds with studs. Well, we got some great sports stories to talk about today from a wide variety of sports. And uh, as I mature as a young man, I've seen that uh, I've matured a little bit in my sports viewing. It's not all uh, all football or basketball. I've kind of uh, shown interest in a lot of other things. So I'm going to kind of bounce around. And, and one of the beauties of having my own podcast here is I get to talk about what I want to talk about. I get to I get to talk a little bit of college baseball, maybe some hockey, some golf, some boxing. I just you know what? It's it's cool having a place to, to vent and kind of throw out some subject matter. But again, if you guys have some subjects you want me to discuss, by all means, uh, throw them my way because it's always fun talking about some unique items as well. So anyway, uh, let, let's get to some sports stories here on March 1st. Uh, on Sunday in the Waste Management Open out in Phoenix, uh, the uh, golf golf tournament, uh, that was played and, and that that's cool and all not a, not a huge uh, event by any means, but, but the storyline there was that, uh, a, a great number of golfers, uh, they wore red on Sunday to honor Tiger Woods, who was in an accident, uh, this last week here in Los Angeles. I think a lot of people were holding their breath, especially us people in Southern California. It was, 
it was way too familiar, very similar to uh, the feelings of the Kobe Bryant helicopter crash uh, a year ago. So uh, I'm glad that Tiger Woods is going to be okay. Sounds like he's got some pretty severe leg injuries out there uh, that he's going to have to have surgery and, and hopefully recover from. I don't know if he's going to golf again, but he's alive. And, and that is, that is truly, uh, truly, uh, very, a very good thing, you know, remarkable that he survived that pretty rough accident, but it was the golfers on Sunday at the waste management open who were wearing red. Cause as you guys know, tiger wears red on Sundays and, uh, one of the best golfers of our time or ever. And, uh, you know, I think tiger woods, walking uh, onto the green in, in a in a red shirt is something a lot of people uh, think of when they think of golf, you know, on Sundays in that final round. And uh, I, I don't know if you guys saw the Tiger Woods documentary on, on HBO uh, uh, a couple weeks ago. It was, it was pretty good, pretty well done, and uh, re- really went inside, uh, you know, his personal life too and, and, and everything. But as far as Tiger Woods, the golfer, I don't know that, there will ever ever be another one, another person like him, another great. I mean, there's plenty of greats in the sport, but to do the things he has done, to be able to come back and win a Masters uh, a couple years ago, to you know all this adversity, and this is one more big adverse moment for him. Big adversity here, uh, you know, not being able to play golf is probably the the last thing on his mind. It's, you know, am I going to be able to walk again and and be okay, be normal? Um, But if, if somehow he is able to come back and play golf again, that would be one of the greatest comeback stories, uh, even bigger than the last one after coming back from all the, the back injuries and surgeries and everything. So we hope we see Tiger Woods on a golf course again someday, but who knows? But I did think it was pretty awesome uh, that the golfers out there, uh, you know, they all in, in, um, in solidarity, we'll say war red to show support for Tiger Woods. I thought that was incredible, very powerful. Uh, just some, some amazing things like that. I love to see, I think it's, uh, it's truly remarkable. Great, great respect. And, uh, yeah, hope, hope Tiger, uh, Tiger gets better and, uh, we'll see time will tell, but again, very classy, I think is the word. For, for all the golfers out there on uh, on Sunday who who rocked the red shirt uh, showing support for Tiger Woods. Uh, on Saturday night, uh, one of the best boxers in the world, uh, Canelo Alvarez, got back in the ring in Miami. And uh, it was not really a fight that I think people knew, thought, you know, were worried about or anything. I think anytime you get an opportunity to see – the best in the business fight. I think that's what people care about. And uh, Canelo Alvarez went up against Avni. Yild- I can't even say his name. Yildirim and uh, a guy from Turkey who actually had a pretty good record. But this was a mismatch uh, altogether from the very beginning. Uh, Canelo Alvarez, again, is is uh, incredible. Uh, he really did dominate. And it was almost like Canelo's a guy where – he fights like twice a year, right? He's very highly paid. He's got, you know, 60 fights to his, to his name or whatever. Uh, one loss, which was the Floyd Mayweather back in the day. And then two draws. I think he's like 57, one and two. I, those numbers could be wrong, but he, he he's fought like 60 times, which is like, those. that's a lot of fights. In my opinion, that's a ton of fights. And he used to fight like twice a year. 
And now it seems like because of the inactivity the past year or so, it seems like this year at least he's going to get in the ring quite a bit. Now he's he's probably going to have more more fights like this where he's clearly hands down the the better fighter. I mean, um, but but again, getting back in the ring and and him fighting, I think is is better than not fighting, right? And and I think he's someone that wants to be active. And so many of his fights end so quickly. You're almost like, okay, well, there's training and the buildup and everything for a fight. But did that even really count? I guess <laughs> you know, like the the fight lasted three rounds. Uh, he he knocked down uh, Yildirim in the third round with a pretty devastating uh, shot between the gloves, and Yildirim got up, but he goes to the corner, and the corner's talking to him, and the referee goes over to the corner, and I could it looked like the corner made the decision, said no, he's done, he's done. And I think any look at any time a corner calls a fight, UFC or boxing, I, I think it's a tremendous responsibility they have. Referees does what they can, the doctors do what they can, but the the people in a fighter's corner, they know the fighter. They've trained with that fighter every day for you know four months, three months, or whatever. They know when their guy is hurt. They know when he is, uh, and and it's it's funny because. There are fighters that say I can't go back out there, and no fighter wants to say that. It's 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 not like a guy is is you know quitting. A guy know sometimes if a guy says that because the fighting spirit is generally to keep going to get back out there, right? Oh, I can I can fight through this. Sometimes guys get hit in the head and they, and they're just like oh I, I can keep going and and, you, and they can't. That's why they need people in their corner to tell them, hey man, uh, this is a bad idea. Sorry, I have your your best interest in heart. I mean, it's a very serious subject. It's not, you know, like like football where, um, you know, if if if, if you have a big lead, okay, everyone kind of understands you're going to run the ball, you're going to eat the clock, or whatever. In fighting, it's very dangerous. People lose their lives in the boxing ring and long term brain damage and and all that. So when a when a corner calls the fight. Uh, they have the best interests, the fighter, the best interests of the fighter at heart. And some some fighters don't like when their their corner calls it. I mean, th- think back to Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury. Wilder was not happy with his corner calling the fight, throwing in the towel. But I think with the devastating blows that Alvarez delivered Saturday night on on Yildirim, the corner knew. I mean, he got in the corner and he he was he was done. He was done. And it is interesting. It's a fine line, right, between wanting to fight through adversity and also kind of admitting, hey, we, we've lost. This is it. And that is something that there's a science science to it in boxing and MMA. And, and it's something I just – I continue to fall in love every day, every weekend with uh, combat sports. It, it's uh, There's so much going on and – some people think it's boring or whatever, but I just, I love the fighting spirit. It, it's a, it, 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 football had a beginning, right? Football, basketball, they, they all had a beginning. Fighting to me is is something as, as old as uh, Cain and Abel, right? I mean, it's something that even, even without boxing rings or octagons, it's something that's in our nature. It's something we've all done. I think everyone's been in some type of fight. Maybe it's just verbal. 
for for most uh, young boys, you 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 get into a, a little shoving match here here or there. But fighting is just I don't know. It, it's it's always been there. It's always been there, and and I think it's I don't think it's barbaric. I think it's a great thing that we have as entertainment because there's nothing quite like uh, the, the fighting spirit in somebody and seeing them uh, seeing them give all of themselves into a ring where everyone's watching and uh, it, it's just them and them against their opponent. So big win for Canelo Alvarez, kind of not surprising. Um, he dominated. Uh, he's already ready for his next fight. Uh, the fight did not get to the fourth round. And uh, I'll tell you this, Canelo looks sharp. He always looks sharp. I should say he always looks, but man, he looks like he looks fresh. He looks aggressive. I mean, he, his, one of his strengths is his defense. Like he he's able to sit back and kind of uh, study your movements. He 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 does a really good job just studying and okay and kind of formulating a plan in his head. And uh, his offense really starts with his with his good defense. So anyway, uh, great stuff. Uh, look forward to Canelo's next fight. Um, it's going to be rather quick, right? He's not fighting twice a year, as I mentioned. He doesn't have these big six months layoff. I think he's. He's ready to go uh, here in a couple months, and he's got mandatory uh, competitions, uh, mandatory fights that he has to fight and everything. Um, but I think, let's see here, it's looking like May 8th, Cinco de Mayo weekend, um, and he's going to fight Billy Joe Saunders. That's going to be a great fight. I don't know how much you know about Billy, Billy Joe Saunders. I don't know a ton, but I know he's a pretty good fighter, so it should be a better fight than this last weekend with Canelo. So looking forward to that. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I would like to see Canelo kind of bump up, bump up in a, a weight class or two, but I mean, you can't always just say, Oh, just fight, you know, gain more weight and fight up. Uh, anyway, that'll be exciting. Uh, May 8th for Canelo's next fight. Looking forward to that. Um, I saw something again. I don't watch the NBA. You're not going to get a whole lot of NBA news or any uh, analysis here from me really, because, uh, I've been trying to, uh, uh, be sober from the NBA for a while now. And, and I I've been very successful. Uh, but I do like seeing videos of ejections of technical fouls of, of stuff like that in any sport. And I saw that JJ Reddick was ejected for a, a ball toss to a referee, um, in a uh, Pelican Celtics game. And, uh, people were up in arms. How could he be ejected for throwing the ball to the referee? And, Something I'm going to probably do on this show a lot during baseball season is talk about ejections I've seen because they happen a lot in baseball because there is no technical foul or, or, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct flag. Uh, it's just the nature of the, of the game. And, and for those of you who are interested in seeing like ejections, I, I would encourage you during the MLB season, there's a website. It's called uh, Close Call Sports. Uh, it's an ejection where they post uh, daily if there's an ejection, ejection web. Uh, Ejection website with baseball and it gives you kind of a breakdown. Uh, so even if you're not a an umpire, I think you'd still find it interesting because there's always a little bit of a analysis on there. But uh, closecallsports.com and every now and then they'll do stuff with um, other sports. But anyway, back to JJ Redick. So Redick had already received a technical foul and uh, earlier in the game, and there's a play. He actually had the ball. He was on offense. And there was a foul called against the defense. Well, he was kind of in the key in the crowd, and he like looked at the official. And if you look carefully, it wasn't just a, hey, here's the ball. He 
He put a spin on it on purpose. He spun the ball disrespectfully at the uh, official. You can sit, sit there and say, oh, that come on, Matt. That wasn't a big deal. Look, at, I'm not always going to be in the favor of the officials. I'm, I'm going to try to be honest and say uh, that was probably an overreaction. All right, but I'm also not going to ignore uh, things from my experience in officiating. Okay? You can see he made the conscious decision to put a little spin on the basketball so that it, when it did go to his feet, while he's reporting a foul, by the way, so his 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 mind and his um, vision is is kind of elsewhere. That the ball would you know roll at his feet and kind of be difficult to uh, to uh, pick up the ball or whatever, and you could say that yeah, wasn't a big deal. But what the problem is is there's this there's this lack of respect. Like players, I think sometimes forget that um, that's not just like your buddy or a teammate or even an opponent out there. That is someone you're supposed to respect. That's an authority figure. It'd be like if you got arrested, uh, you know, if you did something that wasn't that big of a deal in your eyes and a, and, and a cop overreacted. Well, certain things you shouldn't do to cops. You shouldn't spin a ball at, at a cop or, you know, and, and here's the big point I have with, with the ejection. I guarantee you, I don't I have no way of proving this, but are, are you telling me, so many times announcers, they just they just react to what they see. They have no idea that there's always a buildup to these things. Do you think J.J. Redick, from the moment he got a technical foul until him spinning the ball at the official to get his second technical foul, do you think he was a – do you think he was a, a choir boy in, in that time span? Do you think he, there was nothing he said to the official from that in that time frame? Maybe. But I doubt it. I've refereed enough basketball games, uh, you know, at the high school level, level of course, uh, or, or in baseball, where every now, now, every now and then, somebody says something that's a no-brainer. Hey, you're done. You got to go. You're ejected. Whatever. But usually, it's a buildup of time and things things people don't hear or see. But the player and the official, or the coach and the official, uh, it's a dance that kind of is it is buildup. And let me ask you this. If you know you already had a technical foul, I'm asking you, the audience out there, don't you think you should probably be on your absolute best behavior, leave nothing to chance? Maybe maybe you shouldn't spin the basketball at, at the official to, uh, I don't know why he did it. Like, shouldn't you be on your best behavior, not leave anything to chance? Maybe the ejection was an overreaction. I didn't think it was. I first saw it, I went, eh. But but I got to tell you, I have to imagine that between the technical foul and the second technical foul with the ejection, it was probably a few more things that were said. And when you combine all that and then th- throw in the uh, the little basketball spin, that is where it you know it, it adds up to okay, ejection. You don't have to agree. I'm just telling you kind of the thought process there. And what do players always, I didn't do anything. Okay. Everyone's innocent. Everyone, everyone out there is innocent. It's always officials overreacting. And and I'm not going to rule it out that the guy might've overreacted the official. All right. But I'm also going to, I'm also going to be honest here and, and, and spell it out for people maybe that don't understand. Uh, how could you do that? Well, here's 
how you could do that. Here's what might have happened. Anyway, uh, I'm going to do a, a weekly review of ejections if they come up. Um, sometimes there's weeks where there aren't ejections, but I'll talk about uh, it's kind of a way for me to stay involved in officiating too. I'm not going to go super in depth, but I will uh, I, I will uh, make note of them uh, every week if I can if if things pop up and as things are getting heated here more in the uh, and again I don't watch the NBA but I will watch clips of ejections and things of that nature uh, because I think it's it's informative we can learn and uh, you know. I'll, I'll say when an official's wrong too. And again, I, the official might've been wrong here, but, but from what I saw, I kind of pieced everything together and I'm thinking, well, it was probably more than just spinning the ball at the guy. And maybe he didn't say something in that moment, but there was probably words said uh, b- before that. And it was just, all right, sorry, enough, enough patience. You're just, you're, you're, you gotta go. Okay. So weekly ejections, we're going to do that. Um, let me see here. Oh, back to boxing. This is something I don't understand. I don't understand why boxing or even MMA, UFC, why they don't have Sunday events. The NFL basically owns a day of the week, right? It's uh, church and the NFL on Sunday. Those are the two things that people probably think of when they think of Sundays. But I can't understand why boxing, especially UFC, okay, but I see boxing like go up against UFC all the time. Like I wish they they were on separate days and maybe it's not a Friday night, but Saturday night, like especially like a big pay-per-view event, aren't more people off on Sundays? Aren't more, more people probably at home on Sundays than a Saturday night? I would think that the NFL functions so well on Sundays. I don't understand why boxing isn't uh middle of the day Sunday afternoon you know one o'clock start uh Pacific West Coast maybe four o'clock on the East Coast I think that would be a really good fit I don't know why they they continually are stubborn and want to be on Saturday nights I, I it's good for me like get home on Saturday night and you know catch the end of a fight but it's like there's nothing going on Sundays after football season why not have a bunch of Big events on Sunday afternoons. I think you get a lot more people watching. And the nature of boxing too is there's a lot of pay-per-view stuff or like it's subscription-based. Uh, it's not always on, you know, basic cable or whatever. But sometimes it is. And and I just, I can't wrap my head around that. I, I would think Sundays would be great for uh, boxing or UFC for that matter. One of the two or even both. I don't know. And I, and I wish boxing and UFC would work more together. There seems to be this like constant back and forth, like, no, we're going to do our event during your event. And it's like, sometimes I want to watch both. It's like having college football on a Sunday when there's the NFL going on or the NFL on a Sunday when college football is going on. They kind of stay out of each other's way, right? They kind of work together. The NFL is king. We know that. But you, you'll see it sometimes on like Thursday nights when there'll be like some JV college game on <laughs> next to the NFL game. That's kind of what it's like with boxing and MMA. It's always on at the same time. And I just wish they they would spread it out more because a lot of people that love the NFL also like college football. So, and likewise, people that love boxing uh, like the like UFC or love UFC and like boxing and you want to watch both. So I don't understand why they don't work more uh, together and kind of spread out the events. I would really like to see that. 
Um, but again, it's above my pay grade and, and what do I know? Um, let's see another thing I wrote down. Um, you know, I want to talk about the power of we, I, it, it hurts my ears all the time when people talk about their favorite sports team. And I've mentioned this before, but when people say we, oh man, yeah, we, we lost to the, uh, to the Padres. It was, I go, we, you mean we, you're not on the team. I don't, I try, I try not. I don't think I have. I try not to, I love my Rams. I don't, I don't say yeah, we lost to the Jets. I'm not on the, t- I've, I've never been on the team. Uh, and if it's a college, t- my, my exception to this is if you're a college team and you went to school there, you went to that university. Okay. You can say we, I'll give you that. But yeah, we, we, I, I, it drives me crazy. And people say it all the time. I hear, I hear podcasts or my buddies that are like, oh yeah, we, we lost to the Celtics. I'm like, who's we, you don't play for the Lakers. You've never worked for the Lakers. If you work in the organization or something, say we, I told, I uh, argued with some friends one time, uh, they're Packer fans. And I said, I said, we, what do you own the team? And they were like, actually, <laughs> yeah, they, they have a, a share of the Packer franchise or whatever, which you can do, or I don't know the, the terminology or the technicality of it, but Packers are owned by like the city of Green Bay or, or its fans. Right. So they had like a, they have a piece of it. I was like, okay, fine. You can say we, then we, I, that drives me crazy. And and people say it all the time. Oh yeah, we we need our our bullpen. Our bullpen. What do you mean your bullpen? You're not paying paying any salaries or any of that. Uh and and the people I argue with, they think I'm nuts. Like you should we anyway. Um, let's see here. I talked about the ejections, the ball, the ball toss. Uh, second week of college baseball, and uh, some some great uh, man, some great games already. Some long games here in Southern California. They they just. Let the play slow baseball, man. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, let's see. Uh, I do want to run through real quick, just so you guys know. And I don't know who's interested in college baseball or not, but hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it out there a little bit. Um, I thought I'd mention the top 25. And what's interesting about college baseball is, it is a sport that is incredibly, like, regionally. Uh, I mean, it's just, it, it's huge in the South, much like football, I guess, right? Um, it's, it's just, you look at the teams in the top 25 and they're like all from the same region. They're like all SEC or ACC, a couple big 12s in there. And then sprinkled in all that is like a few West coast teams used to be a lot of West coast teams, but now, you know, and, and there's an East coast bias, make no mistake about it, but it's, it's really rough in baseball and, and West coast baseball, especially California baseball used to be. Uh, just the cream of the crop. And I just, I don't think it is anymore. So many California kids are are going to the SEC, you know, where there's just better facilities. People actually show up at games. You know, you, you go to an SEC game at, uh, I don't know, Mississippi State, and there's 10, 15,000 people there. Whereas if you play at UCLA, there's like 600. <laughs> so anyway, uh, real quick rundown of the, of the, uh, the top 25. And you'll see what I mean here in a second, but uh, 25 through, uh, through 20, uh, Duke, Florida State, West Virginia, East Carolina, and Auburn. That is 25, 24, 23, 22, 21, respectively. Uh, the number 20th team in the country, Oklahoma State, followed by Texas, Tennessee, South Carolina, Wake Forest. You kind of understand what I'm talking about here, like down in the 
Carolinas and SEC country, a few Texas teams here and there, Texas, Oklahoma's. Uh, let's see. Followed by that, uh, let's see, I said Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, TCU, North Carolina State, Virginia, uh, LSU, always in the top 10, it seems, uh, one of the best baseball programs out there, uh, followed by Texas Tech. And then we get to back-to-back California teams. Um, and it's crazy, whereas, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, it always felt like, well, maybe longer than that, 20 years ago, Cal State Fullerton, USC, um, those were teams that were kind of the the staples of California baseball, right? And uh, Stanford, uh, th- those teams were always in the mix. And now they're kind of nowhere to be found. And there's uh, kind of a new regime really in California. But anyway, UC Santa Barbara and uh, UCLA have kind of become the more consistent baseball programs in California, Southern California anyway. And um, not the greatest of facilities, um, but hey, good, productive programs, two very good coaches. And they seem to kind of be the standard now for baseball in California. As, as a Cal State Fullerton alum, it, it pains me to say that, but I think those schools just put a little bit more into it. They, they recruit well, and uh, they've consistently been kind of in the top 20 uh, there in in, base, in college baseball. UC Irvine for a time was really uh, you know, a pretty good standard itself. Uh, it's fallen off a little bit, but but they'll be back. They always kind of do. So uh, no, those are only the, the only California schools in the uh, top 25, which is crazy to me, UC Santa Barbara and UCLA. Uh, you follow that up with a couple of Florida schools, University of uh, Florida and uh, then Miami, uh, let's see, at six and seven. And then their top five is Mississippi State, Louisville, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. So uh, two schools, the two big schools in Mississippi uh, in the top five there. So uh, that rivalry is Definitely got to be a little more intense than usual with, uh, you know, two, two top five teams, if you will. Uh, but that's kind of college baseball, man, in a nutshell. And it's crazy to me that there's not more West Coast teams. There's no Arizona, Arizona States, um, you know, nothing like that out here anymore. And um, I don't know. I feel like West Coast baseball has kind of slid off the map a little bit. But, hey, that's, that's just me. Uh, okay, finally, I'm going to look at the NHL standings briefly. Um, as I told you guys early on, the NHL is doing this uh, different kind of season where it's like a simulated bubble by division. You're only playing divisional games, right? There's uh, four divisions, uh, the Honda West, the Discover Central, the Mass Mutual East, and the Scotia North. So they had to have these like sponsorships for their divisions, which is funny to me. Uh, but in the West Division, and, only, and it's eight teams in each division, and uh, the top four teams in each division are going to make the playoffs. But like I said, they're all regionally based. Uh, the The North Division is all Canada teams, so they don't have to cross the border. Uh, the East teams, that kind of speaks for itself. Uh, and then, and of course, the Central and the West. But as a uh, West, some Western Division interests out there for uh, you LA Kings fans or Anaheim uh, Duck fans, the Kings and the Ducks are on the outside looking in. Uh, as a matter of fact, the other California team is as well, San Jose. Uh, But the top four teams in the West Division are the Las Vegas Knights, uh, the Minnesota Wild, the St. Louis Blues, and the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, The LA Kings are only one point behind the uh, Avalanche, so maybe they can sneak in the playoffs after, uh, you know, more games are played. Uh, Don't look now, but hockey's already 20 games in to their very short season. So 
uh, or not very short, but shorter season. So almost, almost to the halfway point. And uh, I'm sure people are getting tired of, of playing each other because <laughs> they are doing those quick two game series, but uh, the Kings in fifth, in fifth place and the ducks in seventh place of an eight team division. So they got to sneak into that fourth, uh, fourth uh, place to, to get a playoff. Uh, the central Tampa Bay, Florida, Carolina, and Chicago are the top four teams in that division. The East, the Boston Bruins, Washington Capitals, the New York Islanders, and Philadelphia Flyers are the top four teams. And in the North, the Great White North, uh, Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Montreal are your uh, top four teams in that division. And uh, those are the if playoff if playoff started today, that's where we would be at. So anyway, that's some news in sports, guys. I hope uh, you enjoyed our sports topics. I'm going to take a break right now, grab a sip of water, clear my throat, and then we'll get into some more topics, some current events, if you will. Well, last week I asked a question. I, I kind of was curious as to why it seems people that kind of lean a little more left are a little more, I don't know, uh, concerned, we'll say, about the coronavirus than people who lean right a little bit. It was just an observation. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, one side is right or wrong or whatever. I mean, uh, you guys kind of know where I stand politically and I don't know, in, in general, I, I'm careful, but I'm not like super as worried and I want things open up kind of um, – as you guys have heard me say anyway, but I, I received a, a message from someone that, that they want to remain anonymous and I totally respect that. So anyone who wants to write in the show, guys, feel free to. And, and if someone wants to be anonymous, by, by all means, I don't, I don't uh, ever, uh, I, I will always respect people wanting to remain anonymous because we, we do live in this crazy world where uh, people overreact to everything that somebody says. But anyway, um, this was in response and I'll kind of paraphrase it. Um, uh, from anonymous, but they said, um, you know, you know, we really are in this facts over feelings world where um, some people don't see that the poverty caused by shutdowns will cause way more death than the virus. Now, some would say, well, there's been 500,000 people who've died. Yes, there has, but, but it's almost like the, the poverty and people losing their jobs and not being able to work. Like some people don't even care about that. And it is sad that here in California, where things are very expensive, if you can't work, I mean, you could you could be uh, very poor very fast. And so I do think that some people maybe who lean right see that you can't just go into poverty. You can't just be super poor uh, here, especially in California. You know, yes, it's about safety, but you, safety also re means your, your well-being, your ability to work, your ability to uh, provide for your family and for yourself. So restricting that is very damaging. And in California, we have you know some of the most restrictions here out there. Uh, and you know I don't see anyone not wearing. Everyone wears masks. People wear masks in their cars by themselves or walking outside, like. It's not like people don't, well, well, if everyone wore masks, it would be fine. Well, people do. And there's still, you know, positive cases and everything. So I don't think locking everything down works. But anyway, back to the anonymous's message. Um, I think some people value liberty more than others. So maybe conservative or people who lean a little more right, they, they err on the side of liberty, liberty whereas kind of the left side of things, liberals kind of, they are a little bit more uh, on the side of perceived security. 
And then the, the, the point was brought up that if you take those two people who are a little bit more cautious of the coronavirus than others, right, those views would probably flip on something like gun ownership. For, for example, uh, people that say uh, you shouldn't you shouldn't be traveling. That's I mean, that's that's uh, that's crazy. But if, if you were to tell them that you own a gun, uh, you know, if, if you're scared, you know, hey, you should have a gun for safety. They don't see that as something that would be safety. So it, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but that was just kind of the message there was that it's interesting what some people are or more paranoid about. There's plenty of people out there who believe that if you have a gun, you're just, if you, if you're a gun owner, you're just someone who's paranoid. Whereas if you travel in, in today's world, um, there's people that think you're paranoid, you know, for doing that or that are paranoid for that. Like, what? Why would, how could you travel? Anyway, there's pe- there's paranoia over the virus. There's paranoia over gun ownership. It's probably, you know, it, one, one is in the name of safety, right? Shut everything down in the name of safety. Okay. Whereas if you told someone, well, I have a gun or multiple guns for safety, they would think you're crazy. It's just interesting. It's a good point. And I appreciate the message uh, from the person that wrote it in. And um, I'm sure we'll maybe have some more talk or uh, conversation off the air sometime as well. But anyway, um, so I thought that was that was very interesting. And um, thank you for the communication. Um, I saw something uh, the other day that really depressed me. I mean, it. I shook my head. I couldn't believe it. I was actually out in... I want to say East LA, East Los Angeles. And I was, I was, uh, driving, headed into work. I had already dropped someone off and I was kind of heading into a, heading into the office. And I saw this funeral home and outside of the funeral home, I saw this like an easy up, not even a tent, just an easy up. And I was like, and then there were some speakers and I'm thinking, what is that? And I looked and it was a couple rows of chairs. And it was a it was a funeral going on, an outdoor funeral outside of a funeral home. Now you okay, you know I know funerals are outside a lot of times, graveside, right? But this was at a funeral home, and I don't know. I'm assuming they weren't allowed to have the funeral inside, and that's why they were under a a, a canopy. But I would it just depressed me. Like I was like these poor people. It was a parking lot. These poor people have to say bye to somebody in a parking lot. Goodbye to their loved one. I mean, I know some people weren't even able to have funerals. And it was a small gathering. But still, it's like people see that and they're like, well, these are just things we got to do for safety. No, that's, that is so depressing. No one should have to bury a loved one in a parking lot. I know they're not being buried in the parking lot, but they're they're saying their goodbyes. You shouldn't have to have a funeral in a parking lot. Shame on you, California. Shame on you. That is unacceptable. It, it broke my heart and I saw it. I just shook my head and I started, I started just, I actually started yelling in my car. I was like, what are we doing? Well, Matt, it's, it's about safety. And I said, stop with the, stop it. Just stop. I, I, I saw, I thought about this the other day too. Um, Oh, well, I'll mention this because it's in front of me here. Uh, you guys see these commercials 
where there's like in the fine print at the bottom, uh, this this commercial was was filmed safely because people aren't wearing masks in the in the in the commercial. It says this this commercial was filmed safely. Please wear a mask in our stores. Oh, thank God you wrote that in the commercial. Thank God. I don't know. I I would have not slept well that night knowing that you filmed the commercial without masks on or that you weren't COVID tested in a commercial with two people in it. I think it was a cell phone uh, commercial, but, but just, just look there. There's plenty of them out. Oh, this commercial was filmed safely. Thank you so much for telling me. I was so worried and paranoid. Oh my goodness. Unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. The virtue signaling we do in this country is, is at an all time high. It's, it's just, it baffles me. Things that we think are necessary that need to be said. The warning labels and all that. It's just, it's unbelievable. I won't even get Disney plus. I've heard they they got all kinds of, uh, you know, warning labels on their, their shows now about things from the past. And I'm just like, we are so, there's so many words I want to say, how soft our society is. We're, We're just, it's, it's unbelievable. Anyway, um, you guys have heard the term progressive. Oh, I'm a progressive. I'm a right. It sounds way more fancy than uh, I'm. I'm a liberal person, or or in some cases, I'm like a big time leftist. Progressive. That sounds. It's a fancy word. Right? I would say that some of the damage that progressives are doing in this country, I I, I would. I think I'm going to start calling them regressives, because we're not making progress. We are regressing as a society, and it's starting to uh to really show there are no progressives only regressives that was just something i randomly thought about and uh, i'm not hey, i'm not calling out all all you know all you people who identify as liberal or, or left or reg- i have some very good friends who are in in that category i would say all right but but this this title of a progressive there's no progress being made it's fake it's all fake progress it's like changing rules. There's all this talk all the time about changing rules, changing rules in sports. Move back to three-point line. Don't have kickoffs. Uh, you know, there's all these rule changes. Some rule changes are needed. Some are not. And I think, like, for instance, we're in like this lowering the bar, lowering the standards uh, lifestyle rather than preaching about you know, hey, you can do anything. Hey, work hard, hard work, and and this and that. Now we want to talk about how everyone has an excuse. Everyone has an excuse why they can't achieve something. And isn't isn't that truly discrimination? If you say lower the bar, if you lower the standards of something, isn't that truly discrimination? Because you're telling people that they can't do things that other people can. Think about it. Think about it. it. Let's say in, in women's sports, if they made uh, the basket, I know they use a different size ball or in, in whatever, but that, you know, I don't know why, but anyway, uh, so let's say the rim got lowered 10 from 10 feet to nine feet. Let's lower the basket. Let's lower it for the, for the women's games. Isn't lowering the bar, lowering the basket in this case, isn't that saying that, people you're lowering it for aren't able to shoot on a 10-foot basket? 
when you lower standards, you yourself, who preaches about discrimination, you yourself are discriminating by lowering the basket. Not like, hey, keep shooting. Come on, you can do it. Now, when the kids play basketball or whatever in the courts, this is just an analogy, guys. Just bear with me. But when you lower the rim, and trust me, it's fun to play on lower rim baskets. Guys like me can touch the backboard and everything. It's a lot of fun. But I'm talking in the big scheme of things. When you lower the basket, you're telling people, yeah, you can't, you're not good enough to shoot on a 10-foot basket. Ooh. And yet you come across like you're defending them. I'm going to lower this basket for you because you're you're incapable. And, and the people that shoot on 10-foot baskets, shame on them. They, they don't like you. Uh, I think it's opposite. Think about it, guys, and tell me what you think. Just tell me what you think on that subject. I'd love to hear from some people on that. I think lowering, lowering the bar, lowering the standards, or in this case, lowering the rim, uh, that is a level of discrimination that, no, you're not good enough, or you will never be able to achieve making a 10-foot bat. I'm I'm not talking about slam dunking, right? Lower it so everyone can dunk. I'm just talking in general of lowering standards. If you lower, we're seeing this in schools, we're seeing this all over. You're lowering standards and you're telling people, uh, the people that can do it, they hate you because you can't do it. It's like, no, no, no. Actually, you're the one. You are the one who is lowering the bar, lowering the standards. You're the one who is discriminating. Try that on for size. Let me know what you guys think. Um, This week, I did not come across any man card violations. I'm sure I will find a few uh, as time goes by, but always looking for man card violations, guys. So, So throw a few my way. Um, you know how to reach us. I know Bill Barnes likes to talk about those as well. Um, let me see here. That was, I, I kind of started this process of, uh, of like writing things down in different categories and different, uh, subjects so that I can kind of stay a little more organized in these Monday shows and for you, for you guys listening to me, uh, let's see. Okay. Let me talk about cancel culture real quick. I think this cancel culture movement where, you have people that this mob, right? I've talked about the mob and it's a movement because it never stops. It never stops. They're all, they're looking for the next victim and the cancel culture generally, they, they'll even, they'll even eat their own, right? I mean, I don't know who these people are that like do all this research about, you know, who tweeted what 10 years ago or, uh, uh, you know, how things somebody said 50 years ago. I don't know who these people are. Like, there's got to be better hobbies for you than researching and looking for the bad in a person. Is your life that boring? I, I truly believe that people crave having a purpose in life, right? And for some people, uh, going to work and having a job, that's enough. That's purpose for them. For other people, it's uh, being, you know, a proud member of a church and doing things for other people, and um, you know, giving to the needy and 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 also growing spiritually. Being a member of a church, some people have hobbies. I don't know. Maybe they're on a bowling team, or it could be anything. But I think some of these people that are are these these warriors, these very brave social justice warriors, for example, it's like they they think they're 
again, back to the progressive regressive thing. They think they're like making us such a great difference. That's like, you got to get a better hobby, man. You got to get a, a better hobby. If you're so concerned into going back decades and to seeing what someone said one time and being like, that's terrible today. Well, it, it was said back then, not today. Or, or to, I just feel like the, the, they create this, they, they think they are, they are, uh, they've created this purpose of themselves that they're either inventing or fabricating things to be a bigger deal than they are. You see it every day. Cancel culture losers who want to fire everyone or uh, tear that statue down, tear this. What do you do when all the statues are are ripped down? You're going to look for another one. What's really funny is that a lot of people who, are so passionate about this cancel culture world we live in. Shame on that person. One time they uh, they said this about a group. Shame on this person. They 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 drank uh, Coca Cola every day. I heard I actually heard something about Coca Cola, which I thought was funny because uh, of their whole little. I don't know if you guys saw this. The whole little uh, uh, training they're having their employees do. So I saw someone call it the uh, Woka Cola. <laughs> <laughs> Woka Cola. <laughs> That's a great name for it. <laughs> oh boy. But I digress. Oh. Cancel culture losers. Get get a hobby, will you? Go learn how to bowl. Try to play golf. I've tried to play it. It's very difficult. Don't give up. Find something. But but my my I picture these people. They're sitting in front of their computer. They probably have a couple different screens and they're just like doing research on people from the past. They're trying to find, and they're eating their top ramen. They're wearing a bathrobe. They have on the TV, they probably have uh, CNN and uh, let's see, you probably have, uh, I don't know, some type of uh, hippie rock or something. I don't even see, I don't even know. I got something else going on in the background. They're eating top ramen and, and, uh, and, and drinking a, I don't know. Uh, won't drink water because water, water, you can't drink water. You drink water, you're you're taking water from the earth. I don't know. Uh, and I could just see the light bulb go off when they find out something bad about a person or or, or what they think is bad. It's, <laughs> it's just like, go, but these are people who've never been on a sports team. I could tell you that. Or in a band or whatever. Like, come on, guys. People without a church, a good career, uh, a team or a group or something, that's just, that's their whole life. Looking for slip-ups of people and then throwing a huge, you know, making a big scene or fabricating things to be bigger deals than they are. It's just, it's, it's getting out of hand. And when I start to get more and more specific examples, I'm going to definitely uh, throw them out there for you guys because I'm just, I'm losing my mind over some of this stuff. Thank God I have this microphone to to vent into, but I also have to be careful what I say because you, you know, not that anyone out there listening to this is going to be like, "Well, Matt, you're a hateful person" or whatever. It's like, what? What did you? What do you? Anyway, um, anyway, let me tell you about a few thoughts I have for uh, future shows, and tell me, let me know your guys's feedback. I have some uh, some thoughts here about. Uh, some future shows. I was talking to my brother about this too. Um, 
I like top 10 lists. I, I like to go top 15 lists because 15 was my favorite number and still is. And I don't know. It's like you get a little bit of bonus, right? Uh, other than just 10, you get a few more. So anyway, um, I wrote down a few and I'll share them with you guys on another show because we're going to wrap it up here in a minute. But my top 15 sports moments, not me individually, but things I've seen, like things I've witnessed. And some of them are professional. Some of them are college. Um, different kind of sports. Some of them are one specific moment in a game. Some of them are entire games. Some of them are um, uh, just playoff store, you know, their playoff run, uh, stuff like that. And I started to write them down and I kind of want to tease that uh, this week for, uh, as far as next week's go, because I have, uh, I wrote down t- 15 of my top favorite moments. Some of them are related to the Rams, the Lakers, the LA Kings, uh, random college football games I saw, um, Dodger stuff, all kinds of different moments. So I think next Monday I'm going to share that with you uh, specifically for our sports uh, topics and just kind of a big part of the show. And I'll kind of ramble about each one um, because February, well, it's like, excuse me, we're in March now. Uh, I think that'll be a good buildup to March Madness because March Madness is such a great time of year. And, and you know, don't, don't uh, you know, blink too slow or too fast or I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know, March Madness will be here before you know it. So I think kind of thinking about our big sports memories I've had over the years will, uh, will definitely be something that, um, I don't know, it'll be fun to talk about. And I'm looking forward to that next week, but guys, as always, we love hearing from you. So shoot us an email or something with some of your uh, top 15 or, or just, it could be five, whatever, some sports moments. And, and I'll either agree or, or disagree with some of those, um, some of those as we kind of have our Monday show here and talk about randomness, talk about sports. But, uh, you know, until we get to some playoffs and some of these other sports, we're just trying to trying to get there. It doesn't have quite the same um, recent intensity, right, as football does, breaking that down every week. So anyway, I will uh, wrap things up here. Those are some of my challenges to you guys for next week. Give me some of your top 15, top five, top 10, some of your favorite uh, sports memories. I'm sure for some of the older guys out there, maybe the miracle on ice. I never got to see that. So I didn't include that in my list. Uh, but that's an example like that, that time or the, uh, the Kirk Gibson home run, um, stuff that you remember either seeing in person or on TV. I think those would be some fun things to talk about, uh, in moving forward. And, uh, also any, any news you guys hear out there or, or things you want to vent about, uh, current events or get my opinion about as always is uh, much appreciated and will definitely help with these Monday shows because with it just being me, usually I know last week I was with Sam uh, with just being me, you guys know how it is. I'm sure you're already tired of listening if you are still listening. So anyway, that'll do it for today's show. Let me uh, step aside and we will uh, finish up strong here with our usual information. And I'll tell you about uh, our Wednesday guest, which is Bill Barnes, of course, but I'll also tell you a little bit about our Friday guest. So uh, don't go away. I will be right back. Well, a lot of fun as always chatting with you guys today, just giving my thoughts on some sports opinions and some other current events topics, if you will. But I always need help, guys. I always need help uh, talking about a few different things, especially on Mondays, as I'm sure you guys know after listening to today in the past few weeks. So send some ideas my way. I, I want to I really want to do this top uh, 15, top 10 sports uh, memories 
list here probably next week. So if you guys have a few, throw them at me. I'd like to hear from you guys. I really would. Try to be make this show a lot more listener friendly if we can just get people to uh, send off an email or two. Uh, but anyway, on Wednesday, guys, we're going to be joined by Bill Barnes, of course. He's back in the United States after a fun vacation down in Mexico. So I'm sure he will be uh, uh, ready to go, have plenty of stories to tell us about his travel <laughs> from uh, another country into the U.S. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of things to discuss. If you have any questions for him, I'm probably going to record with him no later than Tuesday morning. So be sure to get those in in a timely manner. Uh, Let's see what else. All right, Friday. Let me tell you about Friday. I want you guys to know who our big guest is on Friday. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I recorded with Mike Murphy and talked a lot about Rio Hondo Prep football, specifically the 1977 championship game uh, against Montclair Prep, the triple overtime thriller. At the end of that episode, he told me that I had to get Craig Klingman on the show, who's a great storyteller. Well, I did in fact do that. I was able to sit down and record with Craig Klingman, who was on that football team back in 77 and just a great, great guy. I don't know him too well. I've uh, come across him a little bit here in officiating. He's a he's a sports official or has done it for a short time. Uh, he's a school teacher. He's going to talk about his days at Rio and talk about his kids, his grandkids, and uh, what it's like being a teacher. And also just some of the memories from uh, Rio Hondo Prep back in the day. So for our Rio Hondo Prep listeners out there, I think you'll greatly enjoy this on Friday as uh, it was it was a blast talking with him. I wish we could have talked longer we were kind of talking in between his classes. That was kind of the time we set aside. So uh, time kind of flew by and I, I could have talked to him and should have asked him a lot more questions, but hey, it is what it is. Really excited about the Craig Klingman interview on Friday that you guys will hear. And I've already started to record with a couple different guests to kind of stockpile those. So on Fridays, it's a little easier to just, all right, push the button and this one goes, this one goes, that one goes. Uh, but for now, I uh, have a few more lined up, and I greatly appreciate uh, some of you out there who've reached out to me about some potential guests. You've suggested some people. You've helped kind of line some things up. Um, so again, I'm going to try my best to record some fun interviews for you guys so that you guys can hear what people have to say on Fridays, hear about their journey. And, and the past few weeks, since we started this second season of the Get Home Safe podcast, if you will, I've really enjoyed the, the Friday conversations with whether it was Bob Lamb last week, um, John Lee Sr. the week before, Mike Murphy, uh, just some amazing people, um, just to name a few. I mean, Vic Winnick, that was a great football conversation, just all kinds of good stuff. It'll probably be a little more difficult here to talk to some of my umpire buddies because of the baseball season going on right now. Um, but anyway, some great guests lined up. Please keep them coming my way and, and, and he, help me. Help me to uh, set these up too. I get all kinds of suggestions. Well, what about so-and-so? Well, I've asked them and they either didn't answer or uh, didn't show an interest. So uh, some people need to be pushed a little bit. And my favorite is when people are like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if we could, uh, if I what would we talk about? And it's like, dude, have you ever talked to people before? Like, it's just us having a conversation. It's not live. We can edit anything out. It's all good. Anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in today. It's been a blast. Uh, always fun starting the week off with you guys. I hope you enjoyed our Sud with Stud segment. Some of my thoughts on, on the sports and other things going on. Always a ball. Always a great way to start my week off in uh, doing an episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. Looking forward to Wednesday. Be sure to join us for the weekly Wednesday weigh-in with 
the one and only Bill Barnes. And then Friday, a fun long form interview with uh, Craig Klingman. A great week scheduled. Looking forward to it. Hope you will join us. But guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or round in third base, get home safe. Thank you.